0: Yeah, this is this is our podcast. Uh the continuing adventures of um uh C- and Camillo. And, I used to live in
1: Strasbourg, sorry. I don't oh, see what he's talking about now. Yeah, the same oh, oh.
0: yeah, though.
1: That's, that's great. So- I used to live there straight up. Oh, where? Yeah, Stroudsburg. When they said Pennsylvania, I was like, whatever. But I used to, I used to work at the Pocono Record and the Pocono Records in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, and that's that's the dateline like for this, uh, One of my
2: first, um, one of my first uh, college friends. He lived in, well, his mom still lives in East Stroudsburg. That's where he grew up. And um, what what? Where's the place at Scranton, Pennsylvania? Yeah, that the uh, University of Scranton. That's the first place I ever heard a white person say uh, the N word in a malicious way.
1: Really?
2: Yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania a malicious-
1: but you like from Mississippi? What? So you're from Mississippi?
2: I'm, I'm, I'm from Michigan. You're, I'm surprised I hadn't heard it before, but um, yeah. When I was in Pennsylvania, I was like, because like it was just this white. We were at a party, and this white kid, um, a water, a raindrop dropped in his eye, and he's like, "Oh, dick nigger," and I'm the only really? black person there, and I'm just
1: like, "What? Yeah." It was a, it was an awkward night from there. All right, I got, wait, let me, let me hit you with this one though. So you live in LA, right? So I, um, used, yeah. I used to live in the Fairfax, I used to live in a Fairf- Fairfax district. Okay. And so, um so I'm mixed with some people. I might look like Latino, Puerto Rican, like, whatever I look like, but I was, I came home late one night and a group of like five white guys were walking down the street. I lived, I lived uh, right there off La Brea and everything and a bunch of white guys, they walked by and one of them kind of leaned in and said, Hey, nigger. And um, and I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "Was he saying that to be cool?" Or like, and I was like looking at myself. I was like, "What do I look like? Yep. scary today." Anyway, that was a, a ill nigga moment. But I thought yeah, we were going to say that word, on the podcast, Craig. You were. Yeah, I said say, word.
0: <laughs> Yeah, you said you were the one that said oh, you didn't want to say the podcast. I I will I will let it fly, but you know just. We're... Brandon, we're still trying to figure out what to do here.
2: No
0: problem. podcast and uh I thought maybe maybe well we can bring in an actual podcaster uh to uh <laughs> t- put this in and for those of you who just joined us um we have a special guest with us um he is the uh, co-host of uh medium popcorn and words movies yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it was movies. Spoiling... i i literally forgot the word spoil and words for spoiling movies. Uh, he co hosts with um, Justin Brown, and yes. um, he's also uh, he also does uh, drunk black history that's right with yep. uh, Gordon Baker Bone. So, uh, yeah, Brandon Collins, welcome to whatever the hell this is.
2: <laughs> thank you, thank you guys for having me. Yeah,
0: yeah uh, appreciate it. well, you're you're well, you've been in LA uh, for a while now because I've been uh, following that. You want to tell people uh, what you've been doing over there?
2: Yeah, I've been in LA for about seven months now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I got into the Universal Writers Lab, which uh, mm-hmm. essentially like I get like mentorship at the studio. Um, and I work on a feature uh, film script and potentially like some other projects. Um, during the last half of this program, but basically I'm in draft two right now. The feature that I'm writing for for Universal, um, you know I hope that they they like it enough to like say hey at least let, let's give this guy a development deal or something. Um, I'm really happy with the direction I'm going with this new draft. Hopefully my studio exec feels the same way. Um, It's a lot of fun. It's like an action comedy about this uh, failed uh, martial artist that goes back to his small town in Michigan and discovers that he's a descendant of Yasuki, who's the first black samurai. And he has this magical notebook that essentially anything you draw on it becomes real. But the thing is, he drew in it when he was a kid. So all the shit that he drew when he was a kid also comes real. And so there's things like the Kool-Aid man and a bunch of fun stuff that he has to contend with. So I've been saying it's like the last dragon meets um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm going with.
0: Yeah. And uh, like like it ends, uh, you mentioned mentorship, As uh, I, I believe I was listening to one uh, a, a recently on Patreon where you said like Malcolm D. Lee. Yep. he been mentoring he's a, you on
2: this. He's my producer mentor, and then um, my studio mentor is uh, Matt Riley, and this guy has done like Violent Night. He's working on Fall uh, Guy with Ryan Gosling and Winston Duke. That's uh being done for the studio. Um, yeah, like it's it's been cool. It's been cool. Like, and I I, I talked to other executives and producers um that we've gotten like Facetime with and stuff like that. Like, I've had um calls with like Monkey Paul and Spring Hill. It's it's been very dope. Like getting just. More context in the industry and what people think, where they think the industry's going to go mm-hmm. in the
0: new year. Yeah, and hey, you've been, yeah, you've been down in L.A. You and uh, the misses have been yeah. uh, uh, doing a lot of L.A. related things. Uh, because on your, you know, medium popcorn, as, as the the title suggests, you and uh, Justin y'all uh, review movies, uh, you spoil them, yep. you you really go off the rails. On, vi- on many occasions and that's what <laughs> makes the show so entertaining uh like uh you know what's uh we've what been checking out in uh los angeles
2: i mean i've been seeing all the awards movies um that's actually kind of like the one plus side about la is like if you're in the film like this is the place to be for obvious reasons but in regards to screenings i've seen pretty much everything whether it's a screening that's like hosted privately at a studio like I've been to Netflix, I've been to the Disney lot, but the Paramount, like all that stuff has been dope. Um the latest movies I saw were RRR for special screening for critics and um the Winnie Houston movie I want to dance with somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, yeah, you have you have two uh different opinions on those films if I'm correct.
2: Absolutely. I we're gonna do a full review on RR, I think, in the next few weeks on so Medium Popcorn. Um absolutely loved it. It's one of the most fun movies I've seen in a long, long time. And it's over three hours, but from start to finish, I just loved every second of it. Um, and it's so earnest in how like crazy it is. It's like seven movies in one. It's fantastic. Whereas I wanna dance with somebody, a lot of people were asking me because I saw it like a week before it came out, a lot of people were like, Oh, how is it? And I actually, this is a, one of the first few times I actually say this as a film critic. I'm like, my mom said if I don't have anything nice to say, don't say nothing at all. And mm-hmm. I refuse to say a bad thing about Whitney, but that movie's not good. i r- I rather watch the like the Lifetime Whitney movie than whatever they gave us in that biopic. It was really messy.
0: Yeah, I, I actually follow, I know somebody uh, who's like a diehard Whitney fan, and he saw it. And she was uh, posting on Facebook. She was just going in. She yeah. did was not having any of it. So yeah, under, I can understand that. You know, just looking at it, you can probably yeah. tell it's not going to be a good thing. But well, uh, it's
2: curious because it's written by the white dude who did, uh, I believe, Bohemian Rhapsody and the Theory of Everything. Like he mm-hmm. somehow got the rights to Whitney's life and wrote mm-hmm. this and. A lot of the movie feels kind of like it's a Clive Davis movie. With yeah. Stanley and Stanley Tucci's solid as Clive Davis, but it's it doesn't really feel like a Whitney movie, like or like it feels like Whitney Houston biopic for white people that don't yeah. know anything about Whitney outside of like the bodyguard music videos and stuff like that. Um and Naomi Aki, uh, she's a beautiful actress, talented actress, looks nothing like Whitney Houston.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's distracting, especially in the later uh, scenes when she's like Performing as Whitney and doing the music videos, it's jarring how little she actually resembles Whitney.
0: It, it always seems to be the case when uh, they're doing black biopics. Like you know, they'll get like Bohemian Rhapsody, of course. Rami Malek looks just like Ray Mercury. Rocket yeah. Man, Taron Egerton looks just like Elton John. And they get to Nina, and it's and it's yeah. Zoe Saldana yeah. in yeah. serious blackface. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's just that's, you, know,
2: you know, you know, fucked up all the hell. So um, Yeah, they weren't ready. Uh, she wasn't ready for that backlash. I no. remember she was doing interviews and like crying and stuff. I'm like, oh, but that's also like the producers. That's a director. That's makeup. That's a lot of people that are doing the talent a disservice because they're if you fully if you're an actor, you fully commit to the director's vision or like the people around you, and what they're trying to do. And you're like, my job is just to say the lines on on the script. And do the best I can to be as authentic as I can to the person I'm portraying. You know, it's kind of sucks when they're the face of it, and it all just blows up. I mean, she also should have been like, "Don't put me in blackface."
0: Yeah. Well, just well, onto onto something more positive because you say you saw RRR <laughs> and yep. you enjoy, and you I, I remember you listening and you mentioned about bringing back the uh, the intermission because they have an intermission in RRR. Yes. Please. And but like you said that. You mentioned that they did they they had a intermission in Titanic, and I I distinctly remember sitting through all those eighty eight hours of Titanic, and there was no intermission
2: throughout any of it. I don't
0: know if I don't even know I don't know if I still see the Avatar two, so I don't know if they're donut they they have an intermission in that
2: one, but I don't think so.
0: But yeah, like you know, Jim Cameron, you know, you got to go straight through it all. So, I remember just remember sitting there and just like, <laughs> oh, we just gonna go through all this because you know because i actually was in um los angeles earlier this year and i saw Ar- lawrence of arabia in 70 oh, millimeter yeah. and um yeah they had an intermission during that so that was you know so yeah so that that was kind of like the uh, the example like because you know they used to do that back in the day with all those uh epic films but um you you saw R R you loved it and uh because I want to bring that up because uh Camilo um you know we we've been talking about that film well mostly just like what you know because you caught some of it and I don't know if you wanted to talk about it with Brandon. Oh yeah, I was I was
1: trying to figure, I was trying to place like what what, what was the attraction to it? Just because it was kind of. But then, you know, I was listening to a podcast of the guy who did, who edited it. And then it started to make a little bit more sense because I guess when you get into the whole history, they actually tell like a serious historical story there. And, um, I guess the thing is, I'm not really into like a lot of like the Asian cinema or some of the Asian cinema that kind of is like mixes kind of comedy with kind of like over the top special effects. Like that's just not, not my cup. Like a friend of mine took me to see, um, Mermaid. I forget the director of that, but um, there's a movie Steve, called Steve, Mermaid about
0: the Stephen Chow who did a movie, Sheldon yeah, so, soccer and kung fu hustle, yeah,
1: right, right. So uh, I have a hard yeah. time connecting those those kind of films. Um, but when when I heard the, the editor talk about like how this was like you know one of like you know twenty films he was editing, just kind of that whole machine that goes through the whole Bollywood system. Um, I I got to do a rewatch. Also, I saw it on Netflix, so that's probably yeah, not that's the, the best.
2: That's what's tough about it is like at the screening, I saw in a big movie theater, I saw it with a crowd, a booming sound system. And from start to finish, we all just bought into what it was. And we all had so much fun because when I watched it on Netflix, I try to watch it on Netflix. and I watched the first 10 minutes or so when the guy's like fighting all the all these like natives and stuff like that. And it's like him versus thousands of men. And you're just kind of like, what is this? Is this a superhero movie? But when you see it with other people, and you embrace the insanity. It just is cuckoo bananas from start to finish. It's like a war movie. It's a love story between the two men that are the protagonists. Um, it's a, it's a dance. It's a musical. It's all these things in one. And it, I, I just had so much fun because it's you haven't seen anything like that, especially in American cinema.
0: Well, just yeah, nice. it, I mean, with you know, in, with when movie like that, you kind of have no choice but to see it on Netflix. Because that was the thing I was yeah. wanted. I was trying to see about watching in a theater um there used to be a, a movie theater here in houston uh called the west belford cinema where you could go and watch all those films and I, mm. I and but it's but it's shut down now and i i I know if that theater was still around they'd be playing that like nonstop. because the closest um the closest i think they when they played it at uh Wait. the Al- alamo draft house here oh, okay uh, but that's all but that's all the way out in katy so and, and they just played it for one night and just so so it's like it's kind of unfortunate how uh, the movie didn't really uh in some parts of you know, the country you couldn't really mm. have a place where you could watch it um on the big screen yeah
1: who won the Oscar? It'll uh, it'll be back. maybe. Well, yeah, maybe just like yo, yeah. I
2: mean, well, India didn't submit it for foreign film, which is interesting. So it it hopefully will get nominated for best picture, but yeah, I don't I don't know if it will win anything because even for best original song, I think uh, Rihanna and Ryan Coogler got that locked up with "Lift Me Up" from Black Panther, mm-hmm. and also like it would be after all the Chadwick debacle you know with the the father and stuff like that i feel like the academy if they're if they nominate rihanna and, uh ryan coogler for best original song they're gonna give it to him just off of like we gotta make good to black people because we really broke their hearts a few years ago
0: yeah and well just uh I, well i guess we could go into talking about all of that i mean what are the things that you liked last year since we're now officially in the new year mm. uh any notable uh, movies and performances that um, that you thought were good and, and you thought you think might uh, make it uh, to the Oscars come March?
2: Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. I, I hope that that takes Best Picture. I hope it takes Best Actress. I hope it takes Best Supporting Actor. Like, And, you know, it's, it's crazy because it wasn't nominated for Best Visual Effects, but I think that that's, like, some politics things going on because yeah. the day was kind of self-taught themselves how to do those effects. Yeah, and so I can see some people that have been in the industry a long time being salty about that, but mm-hmm. yeah, I love that movie. Like upon like the second and third watch, I'm like, okay, like I I get what this is. I really get what this is. Um, in regards to performances, Angela Bassett, I was talking about Black Panther, fantastic as mm-hmm. Ramonda. Like I I hope she gets nominated and I hope she wins. Um, in regards to entertainment factor, I love the menu. I love Barbarian, um, Top Gun Maverick. I also have a sweet spot for Banshees Isheren. I yeah. will love to see Colin Farrell maybe beat Brendan Fraser because the whale was eh. For me, even like the performance, I don't know. Darren Aronofsky, he sometimes is so off-putting in the way he tells his stories that it kind of dilutes the amazing performance that he gets. Um, what else did I... There's a lot of movies last year. Yeah, well,
0: there was a lot of everything, sir. There was yeah. just... Just too much of everything, and it just yeah, it—it's like one of those things where it's just—it's like they all—they, oh, but but that uh you know because that was all the issue about um you know movie theaters and trying to bring people back to mm-hmm. the movies and stuff like that. But it's just like it's just everything's so, so splintered and fragmented, not just in the way that uh, movies are presented through streaming and all these different streamers and everything, but just like. What people will uh, uh, rally for, what people will stand for, because of course they mm-hmm. had the, the 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 sight and sound top ten, and the number one movie was a three-hour film that uh, from from Belgium that. Nobody's really seen, and everybody was up in arms about that shit. And also, you got the 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 Marvel stands going up against the the, the Scorsese Tarantino stands, and it's just like it's turned into all this, you know, uh, turf wars, and just it's like it's film Twitter, film Twitter's just turned into the warriors, which is just basically everybody's got their <laughs> their, their 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 costumes and and makeup and stuff, and it's just it's it's got a point where like. You and I, we both talk about movies, but we don't really want to talk about it. I, I don't want to talk about it with anybody because it's just, it's just, you know, people out there just doing, just just out here just being
2: nuts with it. Yeah. yeah, Medium Popcorn, we used to be a lot more analytical with the films that we review, and I think we pulled back from that just because we went to so many film festivals and Um, networking events and screenings where we're like oh critics are actually the worst audience members which is ironic because they're the ones that talk the most crap about the content that they're watching Mm -hmm. and film twitter is like i think that's more toxic than regular twitter in some aspects like you know because there's a lot of people that look down their noses at like regular you know audience members but i'm like but those are the people that are paying to keep this content going so you know, it's not resonating with them, but with you, you need to kind of reflect on like, well, what's the disconnect here? And I think critics are getting further and further away from um, what, what really resonates with regular audiences, especially change audiences that haven't gone through the pandemic and really relied on streaming for content Um, because there's a whole elitist thing about glass onion, right? Like glass onion came out on Netflix and all the people like myself that got to see it in theater, you know, that's a great experience, but there's some film Twitter people that are like, Oh, well, all these people sharing their thoughts on Glass Onion, like psh, they didn't even see it in the movie theater, so they can't really talk about the full experience of seeing and like that's so elitist to do that, and it's not reflective of the changing world that we're in, right? And so that kind of stuff I'm, I've started muting a lot of folks on film Twitter. I was like, I'm I'm done with this.
0: Yeah, and it's also it really enjoy. and also because of that. Uh, the 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 audiences that are into the more popular stuff, the the summer blockbusters, Marvel film superhero, one, they're even more aggressive and confrontational with it. They're like, it's like they're going up against the the film Twitter, Roddy, <laughs> and because you know they they're all up in their beliefs and feelings and all that shit, and because of that, you know, you got people saying, "Hey, man, I like." Uh, Marvel movies, and just why can't you let me like Marvel movies? It just is, is just like this whole crazy thing where, you know, call me crazy. I still like to see all kinds of movies mm. and just like people Same. are staying in their lane, like staying in their lanes. Like, I know a lot of people, especially critics, who will, who are mostly in it just to watch. The you know the tent poles the the franchises the superhero flicks the, the 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 you know the Star Wars stuff and everything they're just like in that they're not ready they're not really going to go to any re- uh, repertory stuff mainly and just mm. they just want to see because it's like that it's that whole uh, ain't it cool news generation that 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 grew up uh, on that stuff yeah and so that's that's their bag and then but you also do have the the stuck up people who are, who will who who will enjoy the three hour Belgium movies and say this is better than anything that Hollywood's doing or whatever that mm-hmm. it's just like it's it's a it's a, it's much like everything in this goddamn country is just a divide and I'm just seeing like how do you navigate through all of it what 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 were you saying kept Cam- camilo uh,
1: yeah Mr. brand just just to take it back apart from that yeah. I'm just curious um what what got you into doing film criticism? Because I noticed you're you're a member of, um, is it the the Black Africa. Critics?
2: Yeah, African American Film Critics Association. And um, I'm also part of Film Independent. It's funny you ask that because when we started the podcast, we weren't really trying to be like official critics. We were just like two guys that are talking about movies that we saw. And like, it's just like, it's new and old. Like there's no like specific theme for the films we we're going to be reviewing. So we're like, oh, let's just review whatever comes to mind. And actually, Rotten Tomatoes reached out to us um, a few years ago and said, hey, we like what you're doing. You, we would like to make you accredited um, critics on our website. We were like, well, what does that mean? They're like, essentially, your episodes are transcribed and then they're added to the tomato meter. So you actually what you say, like contributes to the ratings, which has been good, uh, but also uh, uh, negative. in sometimes, you know, especially if we like give controversial reviews or you know, a movie has a strong following. So like the most recent ones that we got a lot of blowback from were uh, Paddington Two, my co-host, which is in a dark place. And he dropped down the Paddington. uh I think it was at 99% at that point. He dropped it down a little bit more with his rating. And then Elvis, Elvis, we got a lot of shit for. We actually, I actually removed it from Rotten Tomatoes because there's just all this debate about Elvis's legacy and like, mm you know, his relationship with Priscilla, like and all this stuff. And so people on YouTube are just flooding us with like trying to debate us about um, stuff that you know, my co-host was sharing that like, you know, is debatable in some respects. But at the same time, he's sharing his truth and his perception of like Elvis's career and appropriation of black culture. And it, it, it it's frustrating sometimes, but it, it just kind of fell in our lap to be like film critics. And then I just use that. Um, to uh, submit for some other film groups because it, it just creates more access, right? And um, for the most part, it it helps us get into film festivals, so like South by Southwest, uh, Toronto International Film Festival, things like that. I didn't get into Sundance. I didn't get approved for Sundance this year, but I kind of don't care, um, because their online platform was trash, and we like were very vocal about that last year. So I can see them being like, oh, we don't want to invite these these dudes anymore. Um, but it. It it's you know, there's a it's a gift and a curse to be a film critic.
0: Well, it just goes back to what because you said talking about all the blowback you got from Elvis, just going back to how you know people who are into what they're into are really into what they're mm-hmm. into. And they can't see that maybe you would have a difference of opinion. And it's just like yeah, it, it like is a, a divide where nobody wants to admit that hey they you know the other side might have a point or something mm-hmm. they just they just like steadfast in their beliefs and they wanna fight. It, 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 yeah. I always go I always go back to this time I was years ago in Raleigh. Um I was at a a museum and they would have a film exhibit and uh, I was talking with this guy, and I had a couple, and uh, <laughs> so, and he and he asked me, "Hey, what's your favorite film of all time?" And I and, and everybody knows me knows that Blazing Saddles is my favorite film of all time. So I just said that Blazing Saddles, and he said, "Wrong, Big Lebowski," and I'm like, "Well, wh- why he told is you f- wrong
2: of your own personal favorite." Yeah, film? yeah, it's
0: just like. I'm just like I, I literally just said, I told him like well why the fuck did you ask me what my favorite film of all time is if if yeah. you're going into it is just like that that right there showed me that sometimes you know just it's 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 not it, just just being you know just having opinions about movies uh, and and talking about them with people is in, in a in a in a very uh, just a just a conversational manner just like mm. a. Two people sharing ideas like you can't do that now.
1: What's what's you know, Brandon's favorite? Film? Oh, before before you get into that, yep, yeah. uh,
2: City of God, City yeah. of God. It came out in uh what, two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Um, it's think? a Brazi- it's a Brazilian film. Like it's about like uh, the slums of uh, Brazil, and like it's a bunch of different stories woven into uh, one. Like the uh, the viewpoint of this one kid who's like a photographer and. I, I love that movie, like just the storytelling, the pacing, the cinematography, everything. Um I watch it at least uh every like two months or so just mm-hmm. to remind myself that I'll never be that great, but I could
1: try. Always gotta try. Yeah. My favorite is uh Jekyll and Hyde Together Again. It's a great comedy Interesting.
2: film Okay from the
1: about the, the devils of cocaine and a guy who turns into a pimp after he uh snorts uh, cocaine that it creates in a lab that's oh my damn movie. okay, okay. <laughs> it sounds intense
2: but you said it's a comedy yeah it yeah, is a, a comedy, comedy. okay i'm going to add it to the list justin and i my my, my co-host yeah, and i will review it. review it it's it's one of those movies yeah. that's on youtube and you oh. know if you know
0: if
1: you know <laughs>
0: brant uh, oh, justin's old thing about you know
1: amazon um, too Sure. No, it's a release. Legit. It's legit. Oh, Paramount, matter I forget who did it's, it's a it's a studio movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So it was three ninjas. Is yeah. <laughs>
1: that the Chuck Norris? Chuck
2: Norris. That's a good three ninjas. No, uh, no, it was um Hulk Hogan that was in the third Three Ninjas. I don't know why I oh, know okay. that, but uh, yeah, Chuck Norris was in Sidekicks, which is also another batshit crazy movie.
1: Sidekicks.
2: Yeah, with the kid. No, no, uh, but you to
1: get into something though. Sorry.
2: Oh no no no, it's all, it's all good. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I for me, favorite movie, City of God. Um, that's so crazy, Craig, that someone would be like wrong, in <laughs> just dismissing you. Like, like I'm, opinion.
0: I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often to you. Just like, you know, Pete. Just you, yeah, yeah. Because I would say. You know, it's funny because when I was back in Raleigh and I was reviewing uh, movies for a newspaper and um, every time Transformers would come around, a Transformers movie would come around, I'd always get uh, a a, a voicemail from somebody calling me gay because I didn't like Transformers. What? Yeah, oh yeah, yes.
1: Just gay people can't
0: like transfer, yeah. Whatever it just, yeah, it was. Oh, it's it's always a crazy thing. So, you always like people who are very, yeah, you, 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 as you mentioned with the whole Elvis thing, people are very, um, uh, passionate about what they believe in, and when somebody counters that, um, or challenges it, Mm. they will. They tend to be on the defensive.
2: So I tend to not respond to like YouTube comments on our like reviews and stuff like that, yeah. just because sometimes it just makes me really sad, to be honest with you. Like with people that complain about our reviews or like going these long diatribes. I'm like, who are you writing to? Like, because there's nothing on our page that indicates that we respond to any of this. So you're just writing a dissertation about oh, yeah. your yeah. your take on elvis's history. And I'm like, if this makes you feel better, sure. But I'm not going to engage in this at all. You know what I
1: mean? Like yeah, I got better things to do. Though. What did you say, Camille? The algorithm loves it though. It's mm. uh, what they call it? The um, gosh, when went, when you get comments, I, don't know, I used to work in social media engagement. Yeah, like, good, that's yeah.
2: the thing is, you know, to your point, Craig. I mean, the tribalism. You know, I feel like that all started with social media. That started with people wanting to be better than the other person that's on their page and in their network and. And it just exasperated. In my opinion, I think everything really, really blew up around 2015, 2016. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that's when things really escalated. And I knew that it was going to get bad when when people weren't admitting why things were getting so bad. Like for me, Mm -hmm. like in my perspective, I was like, okay, so, you know, not to go down the politics road too much, but it was just so blatantly obvious. Like, I'm like, all right, so. This one guy who's, you know, trying to run for president and take over from the guy who he spent eight, you know, eight years harassing and saying he wasn't a legit citizen and did not deserve to be in the role that he's in as a commander in chief. Like, there, it's clear what's motivating this guy and his followers mm-hmm. and no one would talk about it. And it's like, if you did talk about it, then you were like accused of reverse racism and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> and then it just got worse. Um, I think we're starting to sort of make the men but that's also me being as optimistic as I can you
0: know yeah cuz you know definitely you know when he got into the office things got way more intense it's almost like we com- I I at least I feel that you know, we're coming down from whatever the hell those 4 years were cuz it was just nothing but toxicity from every corner yeah.
2: My it's friend like, Chris Lambert who's a comedian he said uh when that guy got elected it was like when Scar took over Pride Rock yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like everyone's like oh no oh, I'm just yeah. waiting for <laughs> Simba to come back like a true evil. king reference yeah yep
0: it's like a true evil empire but it's just, mm. but it just and and you know one of, the, one of the great things about listening to you guys you know apart from just how you guys are just Y'all just ain't right. Just ain't right in the good sense. Like I, that's the reason. Like yeah. we like cause we go back because like I, I'd actually wrote about Absolutely, the podcast. Yeah. I interviewed you guys for Rogerebert.com and we've had various things that we've done together.
2: And, and Camilo, I, I think that that is actually what kind of got us on the radar of Ron Tamayo. So again, Craig, thank you so much for always like rocking with us and being a fan. Because I think that write up and Roger Ebert, I think we got ryan tomatoes reached out maybe like a month or two after that
0: wow Um, wow
2: yeah because lady ghostbusters quote-unquote came out i believe in june of that Mm -hmm. year and i think you wrote you like we had to write-up like a few weeks after that because that was a big part of the interview and then we got invited to join ryan tomatoes august of that year so it was pretty quick
0: ah well yeah good to see good to see stuff come out of that but it's just you know what what i like about you guys also is that you all guys are pretty fair you are, uh you know you you like you watch a lot of films a lot of films that fans like myself may review uh may uh request and and you just you 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 don't stay in one um like in one lane or one genre and stuff and especially yeah. even when the uh the superhero films uh come along like they're are those that you 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 may not find fully satisfying and and you kind of recognize that, you know, that, you know, that they're not all winners. And Mm -hmm. for, you know, I don't know if you've spoken to some superhero movie fans lately who, you know, who can't seem to comprehend that there are a lot of them out there. And they take over multiplexes. You know, you know, they just like half the multiplexes is playing some sort of uh, superhero film or or some uh, franchise film mm. or whatever. You know, they uh, you know don't get that just that a lot. That they're mostly just filler, yeah, and just like very expensive filler, so they can so people can get in and see it and just just go to. I mean, just what is your like? Just your whole I this uh, whole sense of what's going on with, with just the way that uh, the studio system operates these days. which just, cause it's mostly, you know, just, uh, just feel, IP. Yeah. IP. It's just nothing but, uh, just, you know, the superhero movies, the, uh, the, the familiar blockbusters, the sequels, the remakes, the reboots. And
2: you know, I think for me, like, uh, From what I've been hearing, a lot of studios want you to come with your own spin-on like IP that they can either reboot, um, create like sequels to things like that. But there is like at Universal, there is hunger for original ideas. They just can't be like hundred million dollar ideas. Like Damien Giselle, like like guys like him have kind of like messed it up a little bit recently with like getting a huge budget for an original idea. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if studios follow the Bloomhouse, uh, you know, approach to movie- making movies, which is make them on the cheap, like try to keep it under like thirty mil, mm-hmm. then market the hell out of an original idea, and then you're gonna make back your money and more, and potentially launch franchise on your own, and it's still a modest budget. Cause you, I think that that's what they've been doing so brilliantly with a lot of their uh original content and the with the the collaborators they've been working with, like Monkey Paul and stuff like that, and then like even like a. A favorite franchise of mine is Scream, right? They made Scream 5 relatively cheap. And then Scream 6 has, I think, a $10 million more budget mm-hmm. than the last one. They made hundreds of millions of dollars, right? So like that kind of business approach, I think, makes sense, um, especially because a lot of the streamers are starting to pull back on their budgets and stuff like that. So I think there is a hunger for original ideas if you can keep the budget reasonable. Whereas IP, that's going to be the stuff that gets the big hundred plus dollar budgets, um, and that's only if there's a real, uh, I think, audience craving for that. I think Black Adam kind of show people, even if you have someone like The Rock, you're not guaranteed to make your money back as a studio. Hmm.
0: It, it's got a point it's, with me. It's, it's got a point with me where it's just, where
1: you going to say something, Camille? Oh no! I, I just saw Black Adam. I, I, was, I was, you guys reviewed that on your show
2: we're uh we're doing it i think in like two weeks or something, uh because we're gonna talk about how the rock essentially he, he he talked himself out of a job with the way that he approached his like uh behavior with with dc films and stuff like that warner brothers but did you like it
1: right uh, i was kind of on the fence man my, you know it's like a Fino you know, family movie pretty much and um my wife liked it but my son didn't he's 11 he was kind of like i don't know yeah, and then I was kind of like, I don't know. um I like seeing all the all the other characters from the whatever Justice Society whatnot, like like those <laughs> those D grade characters. But um, and what was the guy who played Hawkman? I thought they could have used him a little more effectively. Oh yeah, Aldus. Um, yeah, he's this Hedges, right? That's his. All
0: this, I think, yeah. Aldus Hodge.
2: Hodge, yeah, and yeah. He, One
0: night in Miami.
2: Yeah, he was solid. He was solid in that. Um. Yeah, I felt the same way. For me, what was most jarring about Black Adam was that it made me realize, and I've said this on my podcast, Meeting Popcorn, before, which is that Dave Bautista is actually the best wrestler-turned-actor because The Rock kind of plays, he plays the same kind of character. Even when Black Adam, when he's supposed to be kind of the anti-hero, he just gives the smoldering look, and I'm like, maybe that's just his comfort zone, and he refuses to budge from that. Or his representation just won't push him to do anything outside of like these action movies. But for me, it's getting kind of stale at this point. Like I think uh Batista, he does so many different projects with great directors that you're getting different layers of him. Like when James Gunn came out and said he's the best wrestler turn actor, I fully agree with that because he's working with all these people and consistently. People are always like, not only is he a pleasure to work with, but he gives you what you're looking for of uh, an actor. He's committed. And, you know, that's that goes a long way. I think The Rock, you know, he's going to have to figure something out because I think uh, between not doing the Fast series anymore and, like, having Black Adam Bomb, his next thing has got to be a surefire hit. Otherwise, people are going to start asking Hollywood, is The Rock worth the money that we pay him to star and stuff?
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, I, I'm just thinking, like, maybe you just, like, just go ahead and just – make a bunch of movies with more I guess make more movies with Kevin Hart and just cuz that's always mm, yeah that's always like especially when they go on uh, the press tours like the press tours is often yeah. they they go together is often more entertaining than the actual film they're promoting mm-hmm. so but it's just but it's gotten to that point now where it's just these movies come out and and, and I I've, I've always felt this way for years where it's just like they they make the studios make films that are mostly just there to pacify audiences and just like it's, it's always like it just they just they just drop it every weekend so they can get um that opening weekend money but it's like it's it's even more to the point where especially when you have all these movies like um uh, you know the DC and Marvel films coming out consecutively and it gets to a point where it's just like, is is this even good? I can't tell anymore. I honestly can't. It just it, I don't know. Just like, just, just they gonna come out regardless. But it's just like I don't. I it's hard to g- actually gauge these movies from a critical p- perspective because I, because it's like they just come out one after the other, and it's just it's th- they're just there.
2: That's how I kind of feel about like t- television shows, like in um. Particularly about Star Wars. I love Star Wars. Um, but I've really gotten Star Wars fatigue like mm-hmm. versus like Marvel fatigue just because I was I love Boba Fett like as a design and as a concept, but that show was terrible. Like, you know, when you have to like bring in the star of another TV show for a whole damn episode or two to cover, like that's not good. So a lot of people talk about Andor and how fantastic it is, and I'm sure it is, and I'll get to it eventually, but I'm like, I'm kind of tired of Star Wars right now. Unless, like, it's something that really seems to resonate with me because I also don't like getting honey dicked. And that's how I felt about the the sequel trilogy. I felt like Force Awakens set up so many cool things. And then the next two were just like, oh, like, forget that. Forget all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like, John Boyega... like, Justin and I were actually talking about this a few weeks ago. We we're like, the, the first trailer for Force Awakens ended with John Boyega brandishing a lightsaber. And we're all like, the closest thing we got to that as kids was mace windu and so now mm. we're like oh it's a young black kid with a lightsaber he's gonna be a jedi oh my god he used to be a stormtrooper this is gonna be fantastic and then they're like no, nah, never mind We just uh it's gonna be about this ray girl which is fine but at the same time it's like let's just really focus on the two white uh, you know main characters versus the diversity we built around them which is crazy
0: and it, it's funny like we even bring that stuff up that's a whole other thing. man yeah, you yeah. know, this is a whole idea of just like, oh, let's. It, it, it's set in a galaxy far, far away, yep. and for some reason, when a person of color enters the picture, or just like even a, a, a female person of color, uh, people lose their shit. And it's it's kind of funny hearing you say that you you know, Star Wars fan because like, Star Wars fans yeah that's another group of people I would yeah. I don't want to deal with at all like what the hell i mean i it makes me it makes me like wonder like what the hell did I saw? what the hell did I foresee as a child that made me realize no nah, I don't want to get in any of that <laughs> like i was never a big Star Wars fan, so just like I just like let it all like y'all y'all could have it. But it's it but I but I re- I made that decision as a kid and it's and I can honestly say it's one of the smartest decisions I've ever made.
1: But my, my thing with the Star Wars, I, I didn't realize Boba Fett was bad because I watched it. It's like it's like um it's like bonding time for me and my kid to watch those mm-hmm. shows. So it's like yeah. I look at him and it's just like, you know, I, he's totally into it, right? And mm-hmm. then now when you just said that about Boba Fett, I was like, Oh yeah, you know that it did kind of slide into a different direction when they um it's just like the introduction of new characters to build up new new threads for more shit they're gonna put on disney plus but yeah i do i do feel feel what you're saying
2: yeah it was annoying because it's like you essentially if you watch boba fett you had to have watched mandalorian otherwise episode six i think which is essentially a mandalorian episode you're gonna be like what's happening who's this little yoda dude why is luke here like um and that really threw me for a loop because boba felt wasn't even in that episode and you're just kind of like what this is a show though um and so that was like very frustrating for me as a fan to kind of go through that and that's when i was kind of like all right is anyone talking to each other like does this make sense um and so i i've just kind of taken a back seat to star wars stuff i will eventually watch andor but i'm not rushing to to watch it or much else like on Disney Plus these days, like nothing really has been like uh gravitating towards me on that platform.
0: It's a Disney I also Plus. don't have
2: kids, yeah. But so so. Disney Plus
0: just turned into like just the extension of you know just what they're doing in movie theaters because they said like there's Star Wars show shows, there's Marvel shows, and that's basically all there. It's, it's crazy, just like it's just they just. <laughs> disney itself that's just turned into
2: well yeah
0: yeah just a huge unstoppable force
2: but they brought back bob Iger, right like they brought back uh it, that's his name right who's back yeah, in, yeah, yeah, disney. yeah so they think they brought him back because one there was a huge concern about the marketing for avatar even though they apparently didn't have to worry about that but the other is like it's they focus so much on streaming content for Disney Plus. I think it's actually messing up their theatrical releases, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. I read a Hollywood Reporter article that said essentially Pixar is in a predicament now because mm-hmm. a lot of their movies have been released on Disney Plus instead of theatrically. So mm-hmm. when Lightyear came out, it bombed because people we yeah. were like, "Oh, it's just gonna be a Disney Plus in like three weeks." Yeah, right. And so now they have an issue where they're trying to do theatrical releases for their Pixar movies going forward. And the question is, are people going to either even know about it or are they going to even care to go see in the theater because they know they'll be able to see it at home and be able to control their environment with their kids in just a few weeks? Because it is a lot to go to the movie theater, I imagine, with the family. And it's not not just like a, the, the financial cost, but the emotional cost of that, especially these days with the declining attention spans and everything like that, especially with like social media and TikTok and stuff.
0: Yeah, that that's, still- that's Well. Uh, it's out. Saying-
1: if you, we got a small squad. Still one of the cheapest nights of entertainment that you could have. Mm. We going to see a movie. I mean, you know, if you're not on your couch. Yep.
0: Well, I mean, that's what the Everything pandemic else. did. It just show us, it show us all. Oh, we don't really have to leave the house. <laughs> like, we can yeah. just just stick, just stay here and just you get a big enough flat screen. Mm-hmm. And checking all this stuff. And
2: I mean, it's essentially what I did during the pandemic. Yeah. We bought a huge TV. Um, yeah. but like that also like worries me sometimes when I think about that because I don't think we as a as a world have reckoned with the ramifications of the pandemic. I think we're kind of trying to go back to business as usual. And mm-hmm. this is like universal trauma that we all need to kind of talk about how it impacted each of us individually, because until we do that, mm-hmm. like that's just gonna keep seeping and there's always going to be anxiety of like is this going to happen again yeah you know i mean And if it does then it's going to be even worse because we're going to say okay this is happening again and we didn't do anything to learn from the previous time this happened so (laughs) you know it it can it can create a lot of fatalist uh ideals if you know we don't try to reckon with this
0: yeah people people have just you know taken to the whole like you know just it happened, you know, COVID happened and now we can go outside and just do whatever. And I'm just like, nah, nigga, this is just like, it's like people still suffering from long COVID and just still having mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, look at Tom Hanks for Christ's sake. Just, it just, just like, just like this, this frail guy no. now. And it's just, you know, we're going to have to like, you know, figure out just, just how, how to, to, Deal with those past couple of years. Yeah. As you say, sis. Yeah.
2: I mean, Tom Hanks is, I think he's, he's kind of lost his mind between having a son like Chet <laughs> and then the past two performances of his. He's, he's kind of going off the rails a little bit.
0: Yeah. Have you seen that man called Otto thing yet?
2: You no, I heard solid things about it, but between his performance in Elvis and uh, that uh, Pinocchio Disney Plus movie that was yeah. god awful, I was like, I'm a I'm I'm a pause on topics for a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, cool. Let me ask you real quick about your um because I'm I'm in the I'm in the documentary space, so I do like a okay. lot of like uh mm-hmm. grant writing all that stuff. I'm curious about your um about how you got into the Universal program, uh what that took, and, and sort of just like your, you know, what it took for you to get there.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, shout out to my friend Tommy Ray, who uh during the pandemic I like I've been like writing like screenplays like quietly on my own for a long time. Um, Craig, who's a long uh, fan of media popcorn, knows that I, I was in the screenwriting class in college. I kind of kept that to myself until like, we read one of the scripts and it was God awful and also incredibly offensive. Um, but before we even did that table read, uh, it was around 2020. My friend Tommy was like, hey, man, you like you're writing these screenplays. You should submit to writers programs. I was like, what are those? He's like, you know, you can get like, you know, guidance and mentorship for screenwriting. Like there's some studios have them. I'm like, okay, cool. And so I Googled writing programs at studios and Universal was like the top one. I'm like, well, I love Universal. That shaped my childhood. So let me apply. Um, and it's the only writer's program I applied to. And uh, after uh, a very long interviewing process and and waiting and seeing, um, I got it. So I had to submit um, a screenplay I had written and a treatment for another screenplay, uh, which is uh, a treatment is essentially the story of the script that you're planning on writing and the character breakdowns and stuff like that. Um, and so I submitted those, I submitted an application with the essay. Then I had uh, a phone interview I had a phone interview after, after I got through the first initial round. And then I had like a kind of a round robin interview process where I interviewed like back to back, like for three different people and, um, and like they were asking me questions about like what's the movie you're most excited about, and what's the creative that you most want to emulate their career and things like that. And then um, essentially that the last interview I had with the program was August, uh, twenty twenty one. And then from that point till March twenty twenty two, every month they'd be email and say, "Hey, you're still in contention, but we're trying to figure some stuff out and solidify our list, so we'll let you know as soon as we can." So I waited like several months. And I didn't know like how quickly I would have to pack up everything from New York and leave for LA. They told us in uh, late March and I had just April to figure out how I'm going to move to LA and be there for at least be here for at least a year. Um, But it was incredibly exciting to get that phone call saying, Hey, you're in the program um, because not everyone got a a great phone call from my understanding. And so um, that was, that was awesome. I also happened to get that phone call, uh that's right after I finished doing a blackish interview for Afka. And it's like for this last season of Blackish, and I got to talk to Anthony Anderson and Tracy Ellis Ross and tell them how much their performances and that, that show meant to me. Um and didn't like to get the call from Universal right after that and be like, hey, we want you to come in the program. That was that was one of the best moments of my life.
1: Did you get in with the script that you're working on now?
2: No, no, like um I'm working on a completely different script. So essentially uh with the program I had to pitch like four no i had to pitch like six ideas um and then i wrote treatments for two of them and then the studio execs um and, and malcolm d lee they help me pick like the the final idea i i had one pitch to malcolm that like uh i don't want to tell the idea because i might revisit it but i told the idea and he sat back and was just like yeah that's weird bad <laughs> he's like i was like oh okay like this this producer that's made a lot of successful films just like oh you're you're fucking weird i'm like all i'm right, I'll, I'll just embrace that but uh that was that was interesting but yeah like i'm i'm writing an original idea for the studio
0: i mean i mean all he had to do was 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 listen to your podcast and realize oh it. boy yeah just so uh, weird i mean you get you you're getting any you've gotten any feedback in uh la about your podcast
2: not directly um there's a friend of the the show who's been a guest on the podcast john contu who's like a, a fantastic film editor he just recently did the cocaine bear trailer oh, wow. um he the only the only things he said is uh he told some people at universal that you know my co-host justin's the one re, one of the reasons why Paddington 2 isn't 100 percent ron tomatoes anymore but have yet to meet any talent that's like uh you know been offended by anything we've said or our ratings mm-hmm. um you know, I, I usually try like if I'm corresponding with like talented, like, you know, production companies or like directly with talent and stuff that I've like gotten to meet uh during my time here in LA, I'll usually take out Rotten Tomatoes critic from my email signature. Yeah. So <laughs> they they have to go they gotta look hard to see if there's any Rotten Tomatoes reviews on things that they've done. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, you know, we got, uh, a few minutes, uh, squared away and, uh, you know, as, I'll, we're, as, as I told you earlier, we're trying to figure out what the hell we're doing this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, I thought we could talk about, uh, things that happened the week, kind of like do like some black guy tips type of stuff. And, uh, and we're trying to figure out what we could talk about with, mm. uh, with my, with my partner here Camillo who uh you know just has because like I try to uh pitch some ideas to him like uh yeah I you know I want I, you know thought about talking about Andrew Tate the whole thing happened mm-hmm. with Andrew Tate but yeah. that was but uh Camillo thought that might be too political or something like you know we were trying to keep up political stuff out um like there's uh, other things. Like uh, you want to talk about how Keith Murray is coming up with new language to <laughs> to talk about all the time. He he went down on Foxy Brown and Shauna or whatever. Just you, you seen
2: that? No, no. But that sounds that sounds about right.
1: Yeah, I just, I, I, I I watched it. You watched What's it. was the word he came up with? Is it womp, womp womp or something you said? Wop, you know, yeah, you know, she
0: she whopped me off in just in the hotel. Sad, the,
1: just... sad is, the sad thing is it seems like he's he's under the influence of something, which is um That's we true. have been talking last week about the longevity of people when they reach like their mid to late forties and they're in a rap game, we're seeing them so they're either dying or or they're going into some kind of weird drug habit or something. Mm. Recipe's gangster boo, by the way. Yeah,
0: um, but RMP the- r- gangster boo, RP Anita Pointer, you know r and P- Barbara Walters, like who else? R&B uh, R.I.P. R- P- Terry Hall. Like, oh, it, it's be this weird thing now where like a, a lot of famous people die around New Year's Eve. It's my announcement.
1: Yeah, it's terrible.
0: Yeah.
1: What was the but- other thing you want to talk about? You want to talk about the uh, ESPN? Well-
0: well, can we? Well, first off, can we just call the name of this episode "Whip Wop Galore"? <laughs> so that's that's the term Keith Murray uh, came up.
1: He's talking yeah. about yeah, just limbs on here works for me. Some brand
0: "Whip Wop Galore." Uh, you, th- you think Shannon Sharp is going to stick around for long? You know, with- no,
2: no. Skip needs him more than Shannon needs him. Yeah, he's going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if, like right now, his reps are working out a independent show deal. Yeah. Because he also probably has enough money where he could walk away and uh-huh. just do a podcast at the very least, you know what I mean. So he's got some options. And did you did you watch uh, some of the show yesterday?
0: Well, yeah, I saw like they had the clip that where he tried to say something in the
2: beginning. That was and... so disrespectful. Like, what was Skip thinking to interrupt him like that?
0: It's just so like a uh, uh, so like a like a, a, a white dude in his belief like. And like, first, why you why is that shit still on Twitter? Like, why do people keep acting like Twitter is like the Bible or the Ten Commandments? All that shit could be taken down, yeah. all of it, either uh, either just by your own choosing or like somebody as, as somebody who who's been suspended from Twitter for posting an Amory clip from two thousand two. You know, all that can be taken down. So it's, so either manually or by somebody else. So it's, it's none of the none of it is literally written in stone. And like, even if he feels that he didn't have, he didn't uh think that there was a problem with that tweet, mm-hmm. you know, it's still causing a lot of shit. So just yeah. take it down. It's like, it's not, it's, it's no, it's, it's 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 not you know, there's no you know, pro, you know, skin off your back if you take it down, but you know, just he's in steadfast, like I believe in whatever. It's just in, and just everybody's just like, Oh, you just being a dick now. It, first and, and once again it is it's not about you. It's about the kid that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. had the cardiac arrest in the middle of That's the That's financially
2: screwed, probably.
0: Yeah, so it's just like why why is this all turn around, all about you. Just like try to, you know, if I if that was me, just like I would try to make it less about me as <laughs> much as possible. Yep. But you know, it's just he, do yeah, I don't know it's his problems. And, and 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 just like Shannon, obviously can doesn't want to be a part of it. All all he wants to be is like the crazy uncle, the guy generating memes, and you got him got him having to talk about all this serious shit. So it's just like. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's so, yeah, just an unfortunate situation.
0: Mm-hmm. So that, business. Yeah, yeah. Because like, didn't Camilla, Didn't you say um, you 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 lived in New Jersey and the, the you, like? Oh, they, my next they, door neighbors. So my
1: parents yeah. lived there, and like yeah. are like, well, not Nick, ne- but like the guy, the family right behind us. We're very close to them. There was a national story about a Linden High School student who got uh, killed in a, during a football game. Not killed. How do you how do you say it's yeah, it killed during the football game? Yep. Um you guys might have heard that. And um, yeah, that was my neighbor, man. So it's like when this happened, I was like, damn. Mm-hmm. Fuck football, man. So yeah, I, well, you yeah. can't say
0: yeah, I mean it's okay, man. Just just <laughs> but uh, you know, CTE, you know, just yeah. always a problem. But didn't you uh wanna just talk about uh Julia Cameron and Morning Pages?
2: I oh do you do morning pages brandon no no i'm I'm, I'm unfamiliar
1: oh julia cameron uh there, there was an article recently in the cut that she's like in her 70s she invented this method of doing morning pages where you first thing you do in the morning you just write and you just write like Ooh. whatever fuck comes to mind um another guy who talks about it a lot is i, I forget his name but he's the guy was the producer of billions oh brian couple yep yep i know you're right talking. yeah you know, he's, he's he's kinda like a, a guru of sorts, um mm-hmm. and he, he swears by that. And um and yeah, I was telling I was telling Krizzle that I was I was gonna try to get into my morning pages, because um, 'cause I'm very sporadic with stuff like that. Um, you know, wake up in the morning, yeah, do this and that. I usually gotta take my kids to school, so I got that means I gotta wake up early, but I like to sleep mm-hmm. at night. So. <laughs> I you I'm
0: know I mostly know too to oh go go ahead. I was
1: I'll say I sent you an Instagram because I was staying up late last night for no reason. I sent you an Instagram message to check out cathode TV. Cause that shit fucks with my sleep. But you might enjoy it because it's 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 a uh it's got a bunch of um they do they curate movies that play uh online um on various days. Okay. And anyway, I love that shit. Yeah. But I'm, right.
0: I mostly know Julia Cameron because she used to be married to Martin Scorsese. And mm. uh, he you know, and he they broke up during uh, this the, the filming in New York, New York, because of course he was uh, having a fair Eliza Manelli and he's also coked out of his mind, so that's <laughs> kind of like how I know Julia Cameron. So,
1: oh, shit, see, I didn't even know that, man. Yeah, so, so they keep that stuff out, out of all right.
0: Yeah, well, so Martin pages. is, yeah. Martin. Well, uh, Brandon, uh you, you like one of the reasons you're on this show is because you wanted uh people who had a podcast to have you on the show so you can talk about your other podcast, uh drunk black history with the hilarious Gordon Baker Bone who should yep. do an, another um comedy album, hopefully sometime in the future. I think but, he's uh, planning on it, yeah. Yeah, so wait you wanna tell people about that?
2: Sure. I uh, I host a show called Drum Black History. Our next show is on Thursday, February 23rd at the Bell House in Brooklyn. But if you're not in New York, we have a live stream link, which is always really fun, and engaging, and it's it's shot really well at this venue. Um, and what we do is we we use alcohol as a way to kind of numb the pain of our history while mm-hmm. also highlighting um, fantastic black people uh, or events that really help shape this country. And, you know, our, our history is often... Um, not just forgotten, but also purposely withheld from the masses mm-hmm. because yeah. they don't want to. They don't want black people to feel, uh, you know, elevated and uh, inspired. So we we talk about like you know uh, Jerry Lawson, and we talk about uh just redlining and how that impacts the black community. Things like that, and we have comedians, we have scholars, we have podcasts, we have journalists on the shows. We've um we've been. We took a show on the road last year. We went to Boston. We went to DC this year. We're kind of keeping it local in New York, especially since I'm out here in LA. So it's a little bit tougher for me to organize everything. But um, our next show for black history month is on Thursday, February 23rd. Please come and check it out. You can get tickets at drumbackhistory.com. It's a lot of fun. And I, uh, as Craig said, I hosted with uh, Gordon Baker bone, who's completely insane, but uh, one of the most knowledgeable per- people I know about, uh, in regards to black history, so it's always a pleasure to do the show with them and uh not only do you laugh during the show but you also learn something and that mm-hmm. I think that that's a very rare combination when it comes to the kind of art that we do so thank you again for uh letting me come on the show and talk a, a little bit about it
0: oh uh, yes and uh well you know I always appreciate um you and everything you do the other you know, the time you know. we yeah I've been I've been on your show I've uh, done uh, some interesting projects with you yes, yes. behind the Patreon wall so uh but uh where can uh people like this you know if you have anything to plug uh just uh, you know apart from uh, drunk black like history anything else where people can contact you where people can uh, get your shows and yep. all that
2: Yep, folks can follow me at American Collins and all social media platforms. Uh and then Medium Popcorn uh Nigga the Movies. That's a uh, that's available on all podcast applications, or you can just go to mediumpopcorn.com But uh yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for letting me uh pop in on your show.
0: Yes.
1: All right. Thank, thank you for well, coming. Yeah, you see.
0: you you uh you got anything you wanna promote, Camilo, before we go? It... Me? No, I gotta I
1: gotta go to Project Row House. I got a meeting. But oh. I was going to say, where you live in L.A., though? Like, I'm generally. In I'm in Studio City. Okay, because so you just go right there. I heard you didn't have yeah. a car. I would say you got okay. hit up Lamert Park. Okay. I have Lamert Park. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's like the Black Beverly Hills. Nice. And, okay. um, yeah, let's see if you want it. Because I heard on the other podcast you did with somebody, they were trying to give you some L.A. places to go. I was like, yep. they didn't say Lamert Park. So, L-Mert yeah, Lamert Park. I just wrote it down. You know, Yeah. Okay. West Adams, the whole UFC area. It's a little bit changing now, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate it.
0: But have you ate at Dinah's Chicken yet?
1: Have
2: I eaten what? At Dinah's Chicken yet? No, no. I had Roscoe's. Roscoe's. I always keep saying Roscoe's.
0: (laughs) Roscoe's, Roscoe. But Dinah's Dinah's Chicken is good as well. So if you, okay. Where you find that, that's good. So I'll check it out. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Well, we'll. You know, I'll talk with Camillo sometime next week, and hopefully, this show will get out soon. and Y'all have fun doing your stuff. Gotta Take figure peace. out a way to close this out.
2: All right.
1: Take care, guys. All right. See you. Peace, man.